Welcome to the Journey Youth Podcast. Here's the place where you can catch up on past and future messages. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates when new messages go live. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, we are closing up the Blurred Lines series tonight. Hasn't it been good? I know we don't even want to end it, but tonight is a really special night. We've got our panel of experts in the room tonight of amazing married couples who have uh, just pursued God in their relationship. So uh, if you, I would just like to welcome them up. First, we've got uh, Ted and Therese Slonick. They've been amazing mentors of ours. And we've got Josiah and Micah Keenly. Uh, they're Chi Alpha leaders in Bloomington at Normandale. They're some dear friends of ours, so uh, we're so thankful to have them with us. And uh, so uh, how tonight is going to work, uh, we're just going to have each of them share a little bit uh, of their story and who they are. And uh, and then we're going to ask the questions that you guys have been asking over the last few weeks. Um, so if you have any last-minute questions, you can text it in still to 555-888-BLURREDLINES and then send your question in. Um, I can't guarantee that we'll get to it, but uh, you can give it a try anyways. So uh, we're going to go ahead and just start right here with you, Micah. Uh, give us a little bit about who you are. Thanks for being here. It's a it's our joy to be here today and uh, tonight, actually, uh, Journey Youth. How are you guys doing? Doing good? And I realized there's a podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. We're just waving at you like, um, like you were here in, in person. Stop by sometime. Pastor Michael and uh, Anna are awesome. Definitely a great youth group at Journey. So my name's Josiah Keneally, like he said, and my story is I grew up in a youth group a lot like this one. So I grew up um, being a youth leader, being involved in different activities, and um, was born in, and raised nearby the Mall of America. Does anybody like to go shopping? Awesome. <laughs> So I, I was born and raised in um, near Bloomington, Minnesota, and um, have a passion for baseball. I think one of the ways that my parents and I connected growing up is through my sports, through playing baseball. Does anybody like sports or baseball? Cool. <laughs> Me too. And um, I think that I graduated high school, felt um, on a mission trip, like I was called to ministry. And so I, I had done two years of a community college at Normandale and then decided to um, do business school there, but then transferred to North Central University, studied youth ministry, went on staff at a church for six years where I met Micah, and we have a passion for college students, for young adults, and we just, gosh, six months ago, started a brand new college ministry, a lot like this one, just for students who are at Normandale. So that's the short version of uh, my story. Well, I'm originally from North Dakota, so the snow out there makes me feel like I'm at home. So I was born and raised in a Christian home as well, um, but never had the talk about love, sex, and dating. My talk out the door as a senior in high school was, um, no drugs, no sex, no alcohol, see you at midnight. That was the talk that I had. And so just growing up, you know, we just decide we want to make our own decisions. And I got in a six and a half year relationship and God spoke to me. He said, Micah, how can I bless you with your future spouse when you're dating somebody else's? And at 25, I got out of that relationship and I was like, okay, Lord, I am completely surrendered to you. Whatever you have, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I will do. And I started working at a church uh, with young adult ministry. So I absolutely love young adults and youth. I believe in your generation and millennials and just seeing everybody come together to know their full uh, life that God has for them, and that includes physical boundaries, um, 
and discovering what God has for you um, just in life. So I was 25, I started working at a church, and at 27, I was like, Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do, and how do you want me to do it? And he said, Micah, you're going to give up your job working at the church. You're going to give up your two-bedroom apartment that overlooks a swimming pool, and you're going to move downtown Minneapolis, go to North Central University, and you are going to major in youth ministry and young adults. And that was within one prayer session that God flipped my world upside down. And I was single at the time, and I was like, God, I'm single. Um, here I am, send me. That's the best prayer that I think anybody can pray when they're willing to be used by God. And I'm very passionate about love, sex, and dating primarily because I didn't have anybody to ask the hard questions with. And sometimes I think we compromise in certain areas of our life, but we can be redeemed, and God can set us free, and we can rededicate our purity to Him. So now I'm a licensed pastor. I'm an author of a book called Worth the Wait, uh, which is designed to bring Christ back into center of your personal life. So it's for youth, it's for young adults, and you get to journal to your future spouse. So there's three things that I believe are important for youth and young, young adults to do, and that's number one, read the word of God. Two, be praying, and three, journaling out those dreams and desires. So about a year and a half ago, I became an author of a book in a journal that you get to write uh, the story that you want to tell your future spouse someday. So in that process, I think that God has just really uh, blessed that journey and just want to get that material into the hands of youth and young adults before they find themselves down a dark road. So that's why I'm passionate about um, this topic, and that's kind of why we're here today. So, uh oh. And when I met Micah, when I met Micah, she came to my office at the church at Cedar Valley and where I was on staff at as one of the pastors for her North Central classes to get her degree. She needed to interview somebody who is in young adult ministry. And she asked me that day, do you journal? To which I replied, no, I'm a man of God. I don't need to journal. And I was prideful. And um, I used to think that I was above journaling. And since then, I've realized, no, I, I journal to the one above. And um, I'm no longer above journaling. But that, the, the coolest thing is she actually had a, a leather-bound journal that she was going to give me that day. She didn't give it to me. Because why? I, I didn't journal. I wasn't going to use it. But fast forward to we ended up... Um, Dating, we, so we, we became friends, we started dating, we got engaged, and then on the night of our wedding, Micah gave me a gift. And in the box was this journal that from like four years earlier, she had been reading God's word, she had been praying, she had been journaling out her thoughts and prayers about me. And I got to know Micah's heart so much just through reading a journal that she it was between her and God, but she let me in on that process. So that idea, people started to find out about it. It went to Kickstarter. If you ever heard of Kickstarter, her campaign got funded to be an author, and the rest is history. But I just wanted to give you that side of the story as well. Amen. Such a privilege to be here with you, too. And I, um, I look forward to sharing tonight with you as well. I was actually raised just a few blocks from here. I was a Delano girl. Um, uh, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. We were church-going people, but the reality of Christ in my life was not something that there was encouraged, nor did I know that much about. As a result of that, I didn't have the, um, the privilege that you have to um, have the Lord in your life at this critical time in your life, right? Because there's so many things that are going on in the world, so much more so even than when I was your age, um, of the pressures and the messages that are sent your way. 
And why I'm passionate about this subject is because I see so many, and you probably see them too, you have friends, or you, know, you look around the world and you hear on the news of young people, uh, there's consequences to sin. And, and they aren't just because God's up there saying, uh-uh-uh, I don't want you having any fun. He has a reason for it. And if I could say one thing to you, to you as young people, is to strive to live your life so that when you wake up in the morning, you are proud of what you see in the mirror. Because that is a great way to live. That's a great way. The alternative is not. So that's why I'm, I'm passionate about this, and I hope that we're able to add some, um, some wisdom to this group uh, tonight, along with, with everybody else here. Good evening. Whoa. Should I switch mics? Should I turn off the mic? Well, we are, we're, we are delighted to be here. I think everyone has a different story, and that's amazing. So when you look at your life and the place that you're at, uh, as with everyone that's on the panel here, everybody has a different story. And I did not have an understanding of the fullness of who I was in Christ till I was 18 or 19 years old. And so my story is very different than, than what theirs is. But I am thankful to be here. I am delighted. Uh, to be a part of this process and I would and I would desire that you would be real with us because life is real and We're going live There's a battle out there and, and you're in it. You are uh, but we are overcomers in Christ Jesus and The discussions that we're gonna have tonight are about relationships sex and marriage and 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 those are all gifts from God I, I pray that we can view them that way as we ask questions. So take it away, Michael. Yeah, so good. Uh, let's just pray before we get started as we ask these questions. Jesus, I just, I just thank you that you've been speaking to us about sex, dating, and relationships over this last month. And as we bring it to a close tonight, would you just open our hearts to hear the wisdom uh, of these God-fearing people up here, ones who have gone before us and have uh, learned hard lessons and have walked through this with you, God? Um, I just pray that we would learn from them tonight and that uh, ultimately we would learn from you, God, and we get closer to your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so our first question for tonight, and I'm gonna, I'd love for like two of you guys to answer this. Uh, how and when did you know that your spouse was the one? Um, well, to kind of back the backstory, when I said I was 25, that's when God started asking me to pray for my future spouse and to start journaling to my future spouse. So it was April of 2014, and I know everybody does not have a story like this, but I was inspired because I had heard somebody else's about God's faithfulness and how God illuminated this young woman's future husband to her. And so I started praying that same way. I went to bed one night, April 2014, and I said, God, I want to see his face tonight. If he's not in Bismarck, North Dakota, then send me to him if he's not coming here. And I went to bed that night, and I, I woke up, and I was 
angry and I was frustrated with the Lord because he had showed me exactly what I had been praying for. I don't know if you guys have ever been downtown Minneapolis on the Stone Arch Bridge overlooking the water with the city in the background, but in that dream that night, there was a city in the background, there was a bridge, there was this gentleman looking at me with a black twins hat on, bright blue eyes, dimple in his chin, and a black jacket, and he said, he goes, Micah, I love you. And I woke up and I was so frustrated because I go, God, I don't even know anybody who looks like that. And God stopped me right there and he's like, Micah, do you want what I have for you? Do you want what I have for you? And I repented and I said, yes, God, I want everything that you have for me. And if that is who he is, I don't have a name, I don't have a place, I just have a face. And I started praying into that and by... Um, August, I had moved to Minneapolis because God was calling me there. And I go, God, if he's in this town, make that very clear and just bring us together in your timing when my heart is completely ready and when his heart is completely ready. And I walked into a church that he was leading at because I was praying of where to get involved with young adult ministry. And I shook his hand. He looks at me and I'm shaking his hand and God goes, yep. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the guy that is from my dream. But I didn't stop there. I still prayed for him. I prayed for Josiah. I had a name and a face now. I'm like, this is a guy from the dream. So I'm going to pray for him, but I'm still going to pray for my future spouse. And if those intersect, Lord, I will receive what you have for me. But he needs to be the one to pursue me. And I know that everybody has a story like that, but I believe that God still gives dreams and visions and words and direction when we are faithful, when we are praying, when we are asking his insight. And I'm not going to say that, that I can't promise that that is going to be your story. But the moment I shook his hand, I knew that he was the one. Um, but God had to do work in his heart before he started pursuing me in that process. And that led to a one and a half year friendship or a year friendship, one and a half years of dating and a year and a half now of marriage. So that is our story. And I just believe in praying to the one above um, for the one that he has for you on this earth. So yeah, so I love that, um, and I think that touches on something really uh, important, that you met Micah, or sorry, you met Josiah, and then you waited on it, you, you prayed on it, you didn't just like, God, this is the, I think this is the one, and so often we, um, we will pray about what college we should go to, we pray about what God wants us to do with our life, but then when a beautiful woman or a cute guy comes along, we're like, this is definitely God's will. This is destiny happening right here, and I must receive God's plan today. So I love that. Uh, waiting it out. Yeah, we don't need to rush God's, God's will. Yeah. So my story is a little different. I was, I am grateful that I saw this beautiful brown-eyed girl at the 4th of July in Delano, and she was a ministry project for me. And that's all that she was. I was going to lead her to Christ. And I got to. I got to pray with her. Uh, it was a very sweet, sweet part of, of, of our relationship. We had a mutual friend, though, that we were visiting. She was still someone that I, was just my friend. And the mutual friend went to Trees. And he said, his name was Joel, the friend. And he, and he looked at, at Trees and he said, Therese, what do you think of Junior? And she said, Joel, I'm going to marry that man. Joel, that, that same evening, came to me and he said, Ted, what do you think of Therese? And I said, Joel, she's just a ministry project. Uh, 
But God, over time, helped me to recognize the beauty and the gift in who she was. And when it came to the girl, I am so grateful and so blessed that she is now my bride. Yeah, so good. Uh, second question. What is a good age to start dating? I... I think, and I've talked to um, our older children. We have seven children. Um, our four youngest are here. Um, we have three children that are married. Um, our girls did not date <clears throat> in high school, nor, nor did they really date in college either. It was their thought, and, and one that we encouraged, was there was really no reason to date unless you were looking for a mate. That there was no, you know, if, if to date somebody but you have no intention of having a long-term relationship with them, I think is a waste and also asking for trouble in a lot of ways, sexually and temptation-wise. And, um, and so that's the attitude that they had. They had fun, they had a lot of friends, but to date meant that you were seeking a possible relationship with this person and it wasn't just fun and games. And I, I think that 16, you know, it used to be the bar, at least when I was, when I was a teenager, you know, that was you can't date till you're 16, only the bad girls dated before then. Um, but I, I think that after high school is a, is a, is a good time to start thinking about that. Um, when you're a little more mature, a little more self-control, and you recognize the ramifications of your behavior. I would agree. <clears throat> I would say that um, dating is for the purpose of the intention of marriage. And so I think that um, while in high school, like, you know, I think of even middle school for a second. It's like, well, if you go out on a date, your mom and dad have to be there and they have to bring you. And then if you're, if you're in high school, it's like until you're 16, you really can't drive anywhere by yourself. And so I I agree that dating with the intention of marriage, dating once you turn maybe 18 or even like college is a great time. Once you're a young adult, 18 to 30, that's a great um, age range to just start exploring. And, and I love what you said about dating in friends or um, um, kind of in, in groups, um, getting to know somebody. For example, I got to know Micah for a year, um, a little bit over a year before we ever went on a date. And so I think that building and establishing a friendship, watching somebody through the four seasons, um, that way you really get to know somebody for who they are. I also think that the, um, the opportunity to get to know yourself and who you are in Christ is so important because you're really looking for the quality, you're looking for the rest of your life, right? Quality. And you want to have a quality life. And so in order to do that, you first have to get to know who you are and be confident in who you are and be able to... Um, to give the world your best. And that comes with maturity. And so I think that there's... Uh, next question. Does God require everyone to get married? Marriage is not a requirement. Is marriage God, God's idea? For sure. How do we know? The Bible um, 
in, in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the Bible began with a marriage, Adam and Eve. And in the book of Revelation, the last book in the New Testament, the Bible ends with a marriage, Christ and the church. So marriage is absolutely God's idea. It's awesome. It's a gift. There are those that are called like Paul or like Jesus to be single. Um, both guys and gals that are called to a life of single ministry, you know, ministry or just life of singleness. But um, marriage is definitely not an obligation. It's, it's an opportunity. There are cultures around the world, if you get this, that it's a requirement to be married and your family chooses. You don't choose. Um, by the grace of God, like, you get to choose. It's an opportunity, but it's definitely not an obligation. Um, should you make a list of the qualities that you're looking for in a spouse? Um, I would definitely say that I did make a list of characteristics that I admired and I knew that I wanted a godly man. So I made a list to pray over it, not to be like, oh, I want him tall, dark, and handsome. But I'm just saying, yes, I want to be attracted to him, but I also wanted to be the number one thing. He needs to love Jesus Christ. He needs to be following God. There needs to be fruitfulness in his life, meaning there's mentors speaking into his life. There are um, friends rallying around him that are holding him accountable. He is a man after God's own heart, and he's wanting to be a lifelong learner. And so those are things that I put on my list of just being steadfast after God. He would lead me in a way um, that a man is called to lead his wife and his hopefully future family. So I would say that I'm not for or against a list. I would say what is on your list? If it's all about what you want them to look like and what you want them to wear and their style and the money that they have, well then I would say that's probably a superficial list and you might want to reconsider that. Whereas if we have a God-centered heart and we're making God number one in our personal life, we would hope that our um, future mate or spouse would have those same characteristics, so. If there's anything on the list, the first thing should be that they follow after Christ. And if they don't do that, then move on. Because I over, I know it doesn't look like it, but I'm older than Michael. And, <laughs> and you see the carnage of, of of people that get into a relationship and they hope that they are going to convince their spouse to surrender to Christ. And then 30 years later, you have a continual crap storm because the most important thing in your life is Christ and you can't share that with your spouse because they don't believe in him. So first on the list is Jesus. If you don't have that, move on. Uh, why do you think Jesus was never involved in a romantic relationship? I'm not a Bible scholar, so Josiah might put me in my place, but um, just thinking about it, to me, um, Jesus was sent, obviously, for a very, very special and specific mission. Um, and it's uh, being uh, uh, committed to somebody else takes time and energy, um, and it's a good thing, and it's a positive thing, and it's a blessing, but Jesus was a special case, I think, and he, uh, not that um, there wouldn't have been, a, 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 you know, a, a enrichment in his life, but he was really focused, right? 
If there was one person on this earth that was focused, it was Jesus Christ. He came for a mission, and he was going to succeed at that mission. And so I believe that that's probably why. I don't know that it's discussed in the Bible specifically, but to me that makes sense. Does that make sense to you guys? First Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 35, if you want to find it. But it talks about the commitment. And when you're married, then you've got, if you're married, you have issues. You're going to have world, no, you are. It says it. You're going to have worldly things to deal with. That's a direct quote from uh, verse 37 or 38. And Christ, his desire and his passion was to seek and to save the lost. Uh, maybe we can have a couple of you jump in on this, but uh, describe the purpose of marriage. Sure. I'll give it a shot. We're newlyweds. Um, there's a book by a, uh, just a great pastor teacher named Timothy Keller, and he actually wrote a book called The Meaning of Marriage. And I think that just to, I think the question was about the purpose of marriage. It's to honor God. It's so that we become selfless. It's so that we move beyond ourselves. And um, so I think that the purpose of marriage is that, um, I've heard it put this way, that sometimes in life as a single person, even though you got single people issues, you're running your race. And when you look over and you see that one and it dawns on you, you have your aha moment of, I think this is the person I'm gonna marry. This is awesome and I think that also, even an age-old text of wisdom literature in Ecclesiastes um, talks about two are better than one, that um, there's a positive synergy that comes from two working at the same mission. And um, I think that part of the purpose of marriage, too, is so that there be more people on planet Earth. And God designed sex in marriage and procreation to be only within marriage. So I think that, that some, some married people aren't biologically, chemically able to, ha to have bear children, and that's okay, too. But we see that a few of those things, but it's always for God's glory. Yeah, I think, um, I, think I, I agree with, with you about glorifying God. And, and when you look at the power of marriage, is it any surprise to us that Satan um, spends so much time ruining our marriages? Because if you, if you choose your mate and you trust God to help you choose your mate, and you go on and you have a healthy marriage and you seek to, because it, it's not always easy to do that, God will use you in such a powerful way in other people's lives. Conversely, if you make a, a choice that maybe wasn't the wisest choice and your marriage isn't based on the principles of God, you are useless to the kingdom of God as far as your marriage. And so Ted and I really seek to have a, a healthy marriage that God can use to bless others and, and that, they, that we can be somewhat of an example, not a perfect example, but an example that it can be done and it can be done well and God can really use you. Uh, what's your opinion on long-distance relationships? Well, I've never been in a long-distance relationship, but I have worked with several young adult women who I've mentored who are or have dated people um, a town over, a state over, halfway across the world, whatever you want to say. And actually, a young girl just... Um, 
talked to recently and she was dating this gentleman from a different town for over three years and she's only 17, 18 years old. And I look at that as, did you, do you actually get to know the person if you're not spending quality time with them side by side? Yes, I can FaceTime them. Yes, I can, you know, have a conversation on the phone. I can text. I can Skype. I can use all the forms of technology, but how do they really respond side by side? And are they, are they, do they, do we have physical boundaries? If we're not in the same town, but all of a sudden we're together, I've seen that too, where it's like friends are dating apart and they're like, well, we're not sleeping around, we're not doing anything. The moment that they get to spend two weeks on vacation with them somewhere in person, well, all boundaries and all rules and all of God's word flies out the window. And then they're like, oh, we're never gonna do that again. They keep dating in two different towns. They spend a weekend together somewhere else. And these are teenagers in high school who, or college who are like, I'm going on spring break. So there's unfortunately opportunities that we take or we get to make. So I think for anybody doing long distance, I would look at how old are you? Why do you want to be with this person? Do your friends know this person? I would say a red flag lots of times. If my friends don't know the person that I'm dating or my family doesn't know the person that I'm dating, I'm a little uncomfortable with that. That's a red flag for sure. Um, So I would just take into consideration the repercussions of why do you want to date long distance? And many of the people that I know that date long distance, they find out that the other person has their, a different girlfriend or boyfriend in the town that they're living in. So they've been, been cheated on for how long already? So I've not seen much good come from it, but that's usually younger individuals. But um, So we've touched on wanting to get into a relationship, if it's God's will, if that's what he has for us. Um, What would be some, and maybe a couple of you can get in on this, what would be some uh, signs or like um, ways that God would give you kind of green lights, permission to get into a relationship and carry on a relationship? I would um, suggest that you have um, godly people uh, older than you are uh, in your life that you trust. Maybe maybe it's your mom and dad. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's an older brother or sister. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody from church. But there's wisdom in that. And those people can see things in your life and they can see things in your relationship that maybe you can't see. Have you heard of love is blind? You know, that you can... Um, you know, be so enamored with somebody that you can't see red flags. And to have those people in your life that you trust, that love you and want the best for you, to, to be able to have the freedom to say to you, you know, honey, let me just mention this to you because I, it concerns me and I'm afraid it, you might get hurt at some point. So that's, that's one thing I would, I would suggest is to have people in your life and to be able to take their counsel and hear what they have to say. I'm just thinking of things that I would add. We talked probably about some of the yellow lights, the caution. You know, if you think think of like a stoplight, there's green, there's yellow, then there's red. And um, I think some of the green lights would be like, do you have peace in your heart? If you're following Jesus and he's the Lord of your life, then I trust that you're filled with the Holy Spirit on the inception of you dedicating your life to Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is gonna guide and lead you into all truth and give you boldness. Guys, to ask out 
that girl someday or girls to have courage to to say yes or to know like you know what I'm not going to lead him on I'm just going to say no and you got to get over it and so I think that some of the green lights would would be like do you have peace in your heart and do you have an open hand with it because sometimes where I see people get really anxious and they get really tense and they have a clenched fist and so it's like I'm going to stay in this relationship I'm going to hold on desperately I'm going to become needy because I cannot let this go it's the only good thing happening in my life and all of a sudden I think that's again a dangerous sign but if you hold it with an open hand and you say God I feel peace I feel excitement I feel joy I feel all good feelings and I don't feel anxious I don't feel nervous I don't feel stressed out or overwhelmed and I'm not like trying to force this to happen it just seems there seems to be like just a supernatural ease to it um, that's what I would say well I don't think you can put God in a box but but you know within with with the counsel that was given up here, when people are speaking into your life, exactly. if they see something that's a, that's a yellow light for you, they're not doing that to make you angry. Right. They're, not, they're not doing that just, just to get to you or get at you. They're doing that because there is wisdom with age and they have insights and they just want to speak into your life so that your life doesn't get complicated when you're 30. Because when you're 30 and you look back, if they did warn you and you jumped in anyway, when you're 30, you're gonna, you're gonna wake up and you're gonna be laying in bed and you're gonna, you're gonna be saying to yourself, oh my goodness, I should have listened. Well, you're not there now. I don't think anybody in here in the chairs is 30. So you're good. So this is your opportunity to, to seek counsel. Good counsel comes from a multitude of advisors. I read that somewhere. Yeah. Okay, changing gears a little bit here. Uh, we talked about relationships quite a bit. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about purity a little bit. Uh, maybe a couple of you can give a definition of purity. We've talked about purity here a couple weeks ago, but um, just to hear from a different voice, different perspective, what does purity look like in God's eyes? Purity in, in the context, the origin of the word means whole. It means healthy, it means clean, it means just devoted. Um, if you think of like a pure gold necklace, it's not tarnished, there's not um, other metals that have been melted into it, it's not 50-50, it's not only 14 karat, no, this is pure gold. And so um, even like pure milk is like, it's not pasteurized, it's pretty much straight from the cow. And so I think of like pure is like, following in the context of purity or relationships is staying within the box a little bit or staying within the the guidelines within the guardrails that god establishes these boundaries for relationships and that pure path it's it's called a pure pursuit and so following following jesus following that plan that is outlined in the new testament um I like to say a New Testament marriage or a New Testament purity um, opposed to a biblical marriage or an Old Testament marriage because that can mean different things. Whereas in the New Testament, Jesus clearly outlines it. Paul really clearly outlines it. Well, it isn't rocket science. It really isn't. 
you know, purity, what God calls us to. And I understand relationships. I'm a guy, I've got, uh, I've got seven kids. So I understand being drawn to my bride. When you're dating, I always tell young men and young women, if you're on a diet, stay out of the deli. Do you know what that means? Can I have a show of hands? Do you know what that means? All right, I'm going to explain what it means then. All right? So if you're, if you're dating somebody and you know that their mom and dad are gone and you're going to go over to their house, you're in the deli. Okay? If you're on a diet, stay out of the deli. Don't put yourself into those places where you wake up and you go, uh, you know, and you can repent, God can forgive, but you're better served to stay out of the deli until, until you're married. And that's all I'm going to say about that for now. I think recognizing your, um, how precious you are to Jesus, how precious you are to, um, to your parents, how precious you are, and recognizing your value and that you deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. And that's something that where, when I was a, was a teenager, I'll be real honest with you, I, didn't, I, didn't have, I wasn't raised in a home where, um, where there was boundaries. There was no, there was, it wasn't talked about, right? And, and I did get myself into positions that I was in a lot of, I, I could have been raped. I, um, I definitely was not in a place where they respected and want the best for me. That's a good way to look at it. Does this person want the best for me? Do I want the best for this person, right? Because if you want the best for them, you're gonna treat them with respect. And so um, make sure that you, that you spend time and that if you, you know, you're in a situation where you're dating somebody, that you are getting that respect that you deserve to have. No one should ever feel pressured. No one should ever pressure you to do something you don't want to do, ever. And you need to practice with your friends, practice in the mirror, practice whatever, and say no. Because that's a hard thing to do when you're young and you don't have uh, maybe the self-esteem and the self-awareness and the self-confidence. Get that before you start dating. Because you need, there may be a time, and there probably will be a time, when you will have to say to somebody in the midst of a dark room, no. No. Practice that. Think through it ahead of time. It's hugely important, and I wish I would have had it. Because it caused a lot of pain in my life. I would also um, add to that. I love what she said, and I think, does this person want something for me, or does this person want something from me? And I know when I started praying for Josiah, God made it very clear, and he said this. He goes, Micah, I'm going to bring a man into your life that's going to lead you to the foot of the cross, not to the foot of the bed. So whatever side that you're on, whether you're leading somebody to the foot of the cross or to the foot of the bed, I just think that's a good warning sign of checking where is their heart with God. If they're claiming to be a Christian, why are they wanting something from me and not for me? Meaning like if, if I'm dating Josiah and I want something for him, I want him to be on fire for God. But if I look at him like, well, I want something from you, two different approaches and those two different routes and two different ways that we can travel down. So I would say God will bring somebody who's going to lead you to the foot of the cross so you become closer to the heart of Christ versus to the foot of the bed. Uh, so how do you set and keep boundaries that you've put in place? 
whether whether it's within a relationship or you're not in a relationship. <laughs> a little background is I mentor young men, and so we have I have real conversations with them, and. So I'll just be, I'm just going to be real, okay? Uh, but it's a, pretty, it's a pretty harsh statement. Um, God designed marriage. It's the second greatest gift that he is going to give you if you decide to get married. The, the first is, is the saving grace that is found in Christ, and the second is to walk through life with someone that you can share every day with. But until you're married, you're not. You're not. And, and, and you shouldn't be sleeping with somebody else's wife. Okay? Because last time I checked, when I mentored young men, I asked them the question, do you want someone else? Do you want someone else sleeping with your wife? And I, and I, and I, and that's, that's, that's very raw and it's very real, but it's true. So you set up those boundaries where you recognize that, that until you're married that you want to honor your bride or you want to honor your husband or your future husband. But it's deliberate. Like my bride said, you think through things before they happen so that you can be prepared in the moment to say no, no. I would say uh, begin with the end in mind, and it goes back to why I feel like God asked me to outline that journal and make worth the wait um, an opportunity for people to, what story do you want to tell your future spouse? What story do you want to have to tell them of everybody you've been with and the silly, stupid mistakes that we've made? Or do you want to tell them all the good things? Do you want to have to tell them a story, or do you want to get to tell them the story of your life? And I just want to say that there's redemption. So if there's anybody in this room that you've already played with fire and you've already gotten burned, um, God can restore and redeem your life, your future, all parts of who you are and who God's created you to be. And I think with that question, number one, I would say we need to understand as young men and women our identity in Christ and our self-worth and our value and who does God say we are versus who does the world say we should be. And once we understand who we are in the sense of what God has designed us for and to do, we will then be able to say no, and we'll be able to discern and decipher, is this of the Lord or is this a burning desire in my heart? Is this of the Lord or is this a trap from the enemy? And so I would say with physical boundaries, one, you need to know the physical boundaries in the word of God and you need to establish those in singleness. So when a young man or young woman does start a relationship with you, I think within the first month, Josiah and I had a conversation, we were hanging out as friends and we were having boundary conversations. I felt like a 15 year old um, setting up boundaries at age 30. And I was like, Josiah, you're out of my house at 10 o'clock. I had roommates to hold me accountable. I had mentors speaking into my life and getting in my face saying, he better be guarding your heart and you better be, be mindful of that as well. So I think I brought up the hard conversation first. I'm like, these are my expectations. Here's what you're not gonna get from me. 
period. And I had to be bold, and I had to be the one to start that conversation, even as the female. Um, but we look back on that, and he was open to have that conversation. I would say if he was not open to have that conversation, or he would push physical boundaries that I had already set according to the word of God, because I know who I am, I know whose I am, and I know what God is asking of me. It's something that we get to do, not something we have to do when we get to serve the Lord. So physical boundaries for us were very simple. He's out of the house by 10 o'clock. Don't text me after 10 o'clock. Um, and I know you guys are probably, well, I text guys at 12 o'clock in bed, or you always have your phone. That was a specific rule I have for everybody I mentor, because women, we become vulnerable at night. We say things we shouldn't say. We type things we shouldn't type. We're, we become vulnerable, and we're willing to share too much of our heart and too much information when we're sleep deprived, and we should be in bed with our phone off. So that was a rule I had for myself. At age 30, I felt like a 15-year-old girl that I put limitations on myself knowing that I wanted to do this right. Because the story that we wanted to tell was in front of 650 people at our wedding. We wanted to be first and foremost uh, with God and in front of the congregation say, we did everything we could. We did not step into physical sin. We saved ourselves for our wedding night. And we wanted to do that wearing white on stage knowing that this is a gift from God, and we wanted to honor him in that process. I'll just add, um, boundaries, you set them early, and you revisit them often. So when I was 16, it was so fun, I bought a Jeep. 1997 Jeep Cherokee Sport. It was green, it had sweet wheels, it was a sweet ride, 107,000 miles. If there's any car guys out there, this thing was, or car, car gals, this thing was awesome. Loved this car. The perfect, ultimate Minnesota winter driving machine. And I was driving home the first winter I ever had a driver's license. And um, get to the um, a bridge, and no other cars are on the road. I'm going below the speed limit. But my car started doing things that I did not want to do. And I spun out, and I hit the guardrail, and I kept spinning, and I kept hitting the guardrail. Um, totaled the Jeep. It was the scariest thing. It happened in slow motion. It was black and white. I had coins in my cup holder that like picked up, and they're just like slow, like zero gravity, zero gravity. And I was shaking behind the steering wheel. I thought I was going to go over into the Minnesota River. I thought I was going to die. I didn't. Didn't go over because there was a guardrail. There was a boundary that before there was ever a snowstorm, it was set. So that boundary was set early. It was revisited often. I'm not the first person that spun out there. I, I haven't been, the, that was over, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. Um, I'm not the last person that spun out there. That guardrail is reinforced early and often. So along with this, uh, what are some practical uh, boundaries? How far is too far? Um, yeah, whoever wants to weigh in. That's such a fun question. How close can I get to sin without sinning? The loophole question. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> Someone expressed it to me, and, and it was really profound, is that when you get into a relationship with someone and, and, you, and you ask the question, how far is too far? You're at a point on the ladder, and you say, well, I'm just going to do this next. And you go up one rung. And then you, you get kind of comfortable with that. You're used to doing that, and you go up another rung. 
and you keep going up, and you get to a point where you'd say, I'm in trouble here, and, and you look down and there's no ladder below you because you, you've staged yourself into a place where you've taken that relationship that far. Now I'm here to say, and, I, and it was already, re, already spoken, that God redeems, and for those of you that have been involved in a relationship, that, that you, know, you are cleansed through the blood of Jesus, and you can start anew. But how far is too far? Don't start, because it's really hard to stop when you start. Probably not the answer some, some people want to hear, but it's the real one. And I would definitely agree with that. I think I'd reword the question, and I always say not how far is too far, but how long can we play with fire before we get burnt? How close can I park to the enemy's lines without being taken captive? And I think sometimes if we set up those boundaries first, we won't have to ask the questions how far is too far because we already have that guardrail up. And any time that you are compromising in any area of your life, physically, sexually, we will begin to justify that next level. Like he has said, stepping up, stepping up, stepping up. So um, if we're gonna take practical boundaries, I'd say one, I think she already had talked about, have mentors in your life. Don't get in a relationship before somebody older than you, 5, 10, 15, 20 years older than you, <clears throat> has started praying with you about this person that you want to date, male or female. Find somebody that you trust and then you start hanging out in friend groups. And if they're the same person that when you're in this group or if you're in a small group or one-on-one, -on -one, if they're the same person and they're still treating with you with dignity and respect, okay, that's, that's, that's good. Um, and then when you start asking the question, how far is too far, I think that will slowly dissolve and it, it comes back down to, I'm a child in Christ and what am I willing not to compromise? What do I not want to compromise in my life? So, I would just like to add one thing to that. I would encourage you now to find someone. Pray that God would put that person in your life or the mentors in your life that are going to speak to you. Do that before you get into the relationship. Because when you're looking at somebody straight on and you're saying, I'm not involved with anybody, but when I get to that point, I want you to speak to me. And I want you to speak to me truthfully. And I want you to remember this. And then when that time comes and that person speaks to you, and it might not be what you want to hear, you remember that you've had that dialogue and that conversation before. Because it's hard to listen when you're enamored by someone. Um, so what about things like TV shows, movies with, whether it's PG-13 or R-rated, some level of sexual content, um, The Bachelor, music. Um, what, what kind of guidelines should we have in consuming that kind of media? Well, I've heard the, um, you know, would you want Jesus sitting next to you when you're watching this specific show? That's one way to do it. Um, I may sound like... Uh, That's a good question. Yeah. Um, you know, we are the, we're the temple of God, right? Our bodies are the temple. And... Um, if, if we're walking with the Lord and the Holy Spirit is in our lives in a, in a real way, we shouldn't, it shouldn't feel good. Like, 
when I see like they, they're naked and afraid, right? That show just so flip on. I, I feel physically sick. And that's just not my prudishness. That's the Holy Spirit in, in me mm-hmm. saying, this, is, this doesn't even feel good. And, you know, going to movies where, I don't know, I, I guess I would really, if you feel, if you feel good about, about those movies, I, I question where you're at, really, in your commitment to the Lord. Because that is, that is garbage. And it's evil, and it hurts a lot of people. So um, guard your eyes, guard your heart, guard your minds, and um, you know, and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what's uh, going to be good for your life. Yeah, I would just say that uh, some people will make a statement to rebuttal that by saying, oh, but it's acting, or this is make-believe, this is pretend. And there's nothing about nudity or sexual content that's pretend. That's a real person who has a real heart, mind, soul, flesh, body. They're created in God's image just like we are. And so I would just say, like, what are our um, kind of content as far as, like, what kind of content are you consuming? It's like what you put in comes out ultimately. And so with content, like, Micah and I, we have a rule, like, we're not going to watch any um, R-rated movies for sure, or even the new thing is TVMA. That's just not something that's going to be on in our household. Um, I think for anyone, you should not have your own Netflix account or Amazon Prime account or Hulu. Somebody else should have access to it. It's just like having um, internet filters, right? I know you guys have talked about that for websites and phones and tablets and devices and computers. You should have somebody that has that you're afraid of, right? You need somebody that you're afraid of in your life who's gonna, if, if that pops up on the screen, recently watched by Josiah Micah's Netflix account. Okay, we're going to have a conversation about that. Um, or it, they get an email about it. This site was visited. And you should, be, you should have somebody in your life that you fear, that you're like, oh, no, I do not want, you know what I mean? So that's what, you, that's what we need in our lives. Uh, so to go a little bit deeper, what would you um, say to someone who is, is trapped in pornography, uh, sexting, um, things of that nature, Snapchat, uh, what would you kind of say to a person in that situation? Um, <clears throat> look at this. There's freedom. There is such hope. Um, your life, instead of saying shame on you, you might expect these religious people, they're going to beat us with the Bible, and by the time we leave, they're going to say shame on you. No, we would say shame off of you. And like you, you need to be set free and, and renewed by the transforming of your mind that Romans talks about. And I would just say, like, I, I visit a lot with the, the staff at the University of Minnesota, okay? College males, 100% of them either are currently addicted or have dealt in their first 18 years of their life have uh, been addicted to pornography at some point, 100% of 18 to 22 year old males at the University of Minnesota. I think that translates to other schools as well. I don't think that's just in Minnesota. But in fact, um, Micah could tell you more about this, but the pornography industry has, it, it reached such a plateau because they were reaching all the men. So they started reaching the women and they've seen a spike of like 
50 or so percent growth in the past year. So what I'd say is you're not alone. There's help. There's freedom. And, but you need to confess so that there can be healing. James, who was the brother of Jesus. Get that. What do you need to do to make your brother think that you're the Messiah? And James, who is Jesus' brother, which is amazing, he said, confess your sin to each other so that there can be freedom, so that there can be healing. And so I'd say get drastic, get serious about your sin. And it's not a message of become or do more. It's a message of allow God to transform you and watch him. I just think of one word, surrender. Surrender that. Don't, it's almost like we have, you know, if, if our... If our like a bunch of rooms, right? And, and there's things like, like pornography or, or sin that we have a little closet that we lock, right? And we just think that God can't get into that part of it. Well, he knows. He knows and he loves you and his heart aches for you. So surrender that. Don't be afraid. Surrender that. Because he wants you to live in that freedom. He wants you to be, uh, have that self-esteem and that self-worth and uh, and to be able to wake up in the morning and be proud of what you see in the mirror. There's no better feeling, and there's freedom in Christ for that. Yeah, the same God, you know, in, in regards to, to pornography, the, I, I say that the same God that parted the Red Seas can, can help us overcome challenges that we have with pornography. And God is no respecter of persons. And, and we can be set free from that. And so there is hope. The beauty of, of surrendering to Christ is that there is hope in him. Um, so I'm going to ask one more question, and then we're going to wrap it up with a closing statement from each of you guys. Um, we've we've kind of touched on this a couple times throughout the night here, but I want to just directly ask it so um, it's out there. But... Uh, what do I do if I'm currently in a relationship? Uh, it's kind of a two-part question. What do I do if I'm currently in a relationship? Or what do I do if I've been in the deli, if I've played with fire, if I've crossed lines sexually uh, with another person or um, whether pornography or whatever it would be? Um, what steps should I take if I'm in a relationship or I've crossed lines? I think we've already touched on, I would say, in, I would encourage you students, everything we talked about tonight, let those questions build off each other. We've talked about mentors, we've talked about guardrails, we've talked about all those other components. And I'd say if you're in a relationship and you've gone too far and you've played with fire, I would say you need to surrender to God, you need to repent and ask God for forgiveness, and also invite a mentor or your pastors into the equation and they become your accountability partners. And an accountability partner, I think, is significant in young individuals' lives. Mentors, discipleship, all those other components build off each other. And so I would say if you, are, if you find yourself in that role, don't stay in that closet because what happens in darkness, light will be shed upon it. Light will be shed upon it at some time, and the sooner you can get that out in the open, not with everybody in this room, but you find somebody that you trust, that you can confide in, and you can admit the sins that you've committed or the thoughts that you've had or the things you're wrestling with, and they're not going to say, like Josiah said, they're not going to say shame on you. They're going to say shame off you. Okay, let's evaluate. 
what boundaries do we need to set up? Me as a new mentor in your life, I'm gonna ask you the hard, challenging questions. Because when you come to this person, whoever that is, I would say that you trust them, you admire them, they're praying for you, they're holding you accountable, and that you are checking in with them weekly if you have to. How is that device going? Do you have, did you pay for, you know, that 899 software to protect your eyes? Are you guys setting up new boundaries in your relationship? Because it is very challenging to cross that line and go all the way and then try to set up the boundaries. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's hard. And I think that when you invite people in to those equations or that situation, the enemy wants you to remain silent. And we talked about there's freedom. There's freedom in talking about our sins. There's freedom in admitting that. And there's freedom in inviting God into those situations and circumstances. So I would say if you find yourself there and you find that the enemy is trying to keep you quiet, it's because that's where he wants you. So I would say fight that with everything you've got and surrender it to God and then find that mentor that you trust and it might be a couple that both of you go to essentially so that's where I would start <laughs> I love Micah's idea of you're out of 10 you, you can't be in the house here because I know and you know what will happen after 10 and 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 so you bring that forth and and I think our foundation is in Christ and if, and if you are in a relationship with someone, and I don't know where they're at in, the, in, their, in their walk, but when you express, this is the reason why, and I desire to be set apart, I'm called to that. God, is, God has impressed this upon my heart. And if you express it in that way, you will be set apart. Be the man that God's called you to be, or be the woman that God's called you to be. And... God will do amazing things. You may be the only Jesus that the person that you're with or the people that you're around ever see. You have such a responsibility and you have such a privilege that um, as you date or, or have relationships with people to show them who Jesus is. And God may really use you to bring them to him and so to recognize that, there, um, that you have, um, have that privilege to make that difference in their lives. Um, you know, we have, a, we have a, a young man that Ted's mentored that um, was dating a girl very seriously uh, in Montana. And she didn't know the Lord was from an unchurched family. And we had that talk, right? Is, is you have a responsibility to this girl. She's a beautiful girl. She's probably willing to give you just about anything you want. But you are the only Jesus she knows. So be careful. Be very careful. Quick story. My son Eli, and I'm sure he won't be embarrassed by this, but a, <laughs> a few years ago, uh, ritual at our house is I chase the kids upstairs. I can't catch them. They jump into bed. I pray with them. And I give him a hug. And on this one evening, when, when I was going to leave, Eli said, Dad, I have a question. I said, what's that? He said, who do you think I'm going to marry? And I said, that's a, that's a great question. I said, let me present it to you this way. If you become the man, and this is to all of you in here today, if you become the man that God has called you to be, instead of what you think 
some woman wants you to be. Girls will stand in line to marry you. I told him that. He thought for a little bit. He said, Dad, I've got one more question. I said, what's that? He said, how many girls are going to be in the line? I don't know if that's theologically accurate, but <laughs> take it for what it's worth. Moving go. on. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been really good. Um, I'm just going to ask. Let's just start down here with Ted. Uh, just give us a closing statement um, of what you would encourage a young person in anywhere on this topic. 30 seconds, two minutes, whatever God lays on your heart. 30 seconds. If there was a verse, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be strong, and do everything in love. If you can live that in your relationship with God and you portray that, uh, you're in for an amazing life. Yeah. Marriage is a great deal, a, a wonderful gift, and takes some work, though. You have to find the right girl, and I did. Um. I would say that, um, you know, we talked a lot about don'ts and, and um, things that you don't want to do, but I can tell you that sex is a beautiful thing, and, it's, and it was ordained by God, and it's something to be enjoyed, and it's something that will bring tremendous richness to your life. And if you treat it as the precious stone that it is, it will bring uh, glory to God, and it will bring glory to your marriage and to, your, um, to yourself. And so remember that, and... and, and uh, treat it as the precious thing that it truly is. And one more thing, God is always enough for whatever is going on in your life. He is always enough. Amen. I already have one. Thanks. I would say three things. I'd say, one, you are not alone. So I just want you to remind, no matter where you're at in life, no matter what age you are, just remember no matter what you're going through, you are not alone. There is nothing that Jesus Christ did not experience while he was on this earth that you won't come across as well. And so he knew what it was like to be tempted in all these different ways. Even in this day and age, we are tempted with amazing obstacles. And um, I would say you are not alone. So seek out the counsel and mentors when you find yourself in a challenging place. Two, I would say begin praying for your future spouse. Um, begin praying like your son had asked, who am I going to marry or you know, who gets to marry me? And I would say begin to pray for your future spouse. And Andy Stanley would say, yes, pray for your future spouse, but start praying that you become the one that the one you're going to marry is looking for. And God will fill in all those questions along the way. And I would also just challenge you to read Romans 12 to be transformed. Or do not conform to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will understand God's good, perfect, and pleasing will. Because all of us want the goodness of God. We all want God's will, right? We all want God to move in awesome ways in our life. But the thing we forget to pray about is God, is my mind being transformed each and every single day? And does it align with Jesus? Or am I falling into the ways of the world, willing to live out a life that God had never designed for me? So I would say those three things um, in the season that you guys are in. So I want to end by encouraging you with something that I sat in seats just like you, you are right now. 
and I had a youth group with a youth pastor who invested into my life deeply. And then I was able to enter into our marriage and the story I was able to tell my kids, you were worth waiting for, you were worth the wait. And I think that to whom much is given, much is required. And you guys have a tremendous um, responsibility that's been given to you, as has already been talked about, that you get to know this information. The world out there is uh, so unfortunate that they don't have the advantage that you guys have. So I wanna give you one last practical tool. If you'll look at your hand, um, this is good stuff, okay? This is worth coming tonight. This came from my youth pastor, and he got it from his youth pastor, and I don't know who he got it from, but it's good, okay? So when you look at your hand, um, this is the kind of the challenge that my youth pastor gave me. He said, I would encourage you, Josiah, not to even hold a girl's hand unless you know that these five things, which I'm about to list, that they add up, that they match up, okay, that you're compatible in this way. And there are five C's, and they go in order, okay? Everybody, thumbs up. Okay, thumbs up stands for Christianity, a Christ follower. So they're all C's. If, if they're, you know, first on your list is follows Jesus, Christ follower, Christian, Christianity, number one, okay? Next is you have two pointer fingers for your course and your compass. Does your direction in life match up? If she, for example, in my life, if she's called to overseas missions and you're called to young adult ministry in the Midwest, that's two different directions. If you're an inch off now, your course and compass will be miles apart down the road. Third is a finger that you can communicate with. We don't communicate with that finger, but you can communicate with that finger. So it stands for communication. And so Christian, thumbs up, course and compass, and then communication. The, th the fourth is core values. If you're one day gonna put a ring on somebody's finger, your core values need to match up. You just have to agree about certain things. The last one is chemistry, pinky. You know, fun little pinky is chemistry. And so those five things have radically changed my life because I think we're all headed in the world's direction. We're all born into sin. And those five things, I would just encourage you with those not to hold somebody's hand unless you know that those match up. It will save you from a world of hurt and pain and it will bring you so much joy and reward and encouragement and a fulfilled life. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, can you guys give these a big round of applause? Um, and I just want to mention, again, Micah's book. Um, I believe she brought some copies tonight. And uh, what a beautiful gift that would be to give to your future spouse that you were investing in the relationship before you even began the relationship. So talk to her about that tonight. It's on Amazon, too. It's for sale online. Online. Okay.